You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 13, Debbie Kastner, the happy, healthy, long-life librarian. When it's dinner time, I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees when you're having dinner with me. Broccoli. Dr. Yami Kazorla Lancaster, board certified pediatrician, certified food for life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant based nutrition habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Today, I have with me Debbie Kastner, who is a medical librarian in Ohio. She has the website Happy Healthy Long Life Librarian. And on Facebook, she is Happy Healthy Long Life Dash The Healthy Librarian. I have been following Debbie on social media for years. And Debbie, I just want to personally thank you for influencing my life so much. You post such wonderful, valuable content. And every time you post something new, I'm just so excited to read it and gather some new information that I can apply to my life. So Debbie, thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast today. Well, I'm so honored and I'm so glad to finally meet you. I'm like, just your little picture that you have on Facebook, it's like, I could tell you're, you're just full of energy. And anyway, I'm, very, I'm honored that you've been following me and somehow discovered my site. Thank you so much. And for those that don't, haven't followed you yet, because hopefully after they listen to this podcast, they will be following you. You pretty much almost every day, unless you're on vacation or hanging out with your grandkids, <laughs> you like to post information on nutrition and lifestyle and things that we can do in our life to improve it in some way and to kind of optimize. And you call yourself an evidence-based librarian. You've used these, this evidence from research to guide your choices. And I want to know a little bit more about why. Why did you start doing this? And what is your ultimate goal? Good question. Okay. From, I'm sort of, it's kind of crazy. From the day I got my library card and I could walk to the library, I don't know, I was probably six years old. I like went straight to like that the kids health book kind of thing. I mean, it was something I was always interested in. And um, my parents were not like the strictest. So I always felt like, I mean, they're awesome parents, but um, I was always like, you know, I really need to get to sleep earlier. I need to, my bedtime should be 7.30. It shouldn't be like whenever I want to go to sleep. And I really don't think I'm getting all the nutrition from what I'm eating. So I think I need to start taking a vitamin. And I remember they had these unicaps that were, I mean, well, they were like these gel caps and I'm not going to swallow a pill and put it in cereal and bit into it. It tasted horrible, but I don't know. It's just like a nutty thing of mine. Um, something that I always gravitated to. And 
never in a million years did I ever think that I was going to be a librarian, um, nor a medical librarian, but it was like a perfect fit because I get a chance to see all these journals and, and also see what our doctors are reading and um, have access to all of it. And so why did I start? Um, it was kind of like early in, I think like in my dream world, I would probably be like writing for a magazine. Well, that, that world has changed. And when blogs came along, I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do this and um, stuff that's interesting to me and just throw it out there and, you know, never really advertised. I mean, I have no interest in making money on this. It's just sort of this obsession of, of sharing information. I mean, that's what mm -hmm. librarians do. Right. Mm -hmm. And anyone who knows me from like the youngest of ages, I'm always reading something and sharing it and whether they're interested or not, but it's just sort of what I do. And um, yeah, it's kind of, I guess it's a bit of an obsession. <laughs> I feel like, well, in the morning, you know, I'll have my coffee and see what's new. And there's so much to share. It's like impossible. So it's kind of like, how do I zero in on what's the best thing or, or the most important thing? So. Yeah, because you, you just really do share some juicy tidbits. And sometimes it's just stuff that just makes me cry, like just stories that yeah. you've read that have just been so good and just, oh, they just touch your heart. And I'm just like, thank you. Thank oh, you for sharing this. So it really does make a difference. But it sounds like you've been a health nerd since you were a little kid, yeah. though. Yeah. And you were always finding ways to try to improve something or tweak something. Right. So when at what point in your life do you feel like that became more of like the self-experimentation like i'm going to try this for a while and see how i feel and see what things change at what point did it become more important personally to you okay so there were two, two things that i that i would say one probably maybe more personally important than the other um this was all in the 70s and um i don't even think I think I was just still going out with my husband or we were engaged. So it was like the early seventies and um, my future father-in-law um, was having bypass surgery. And I don't know, I kind of just delved into the literature and trying to, and, and found out about Pritikin and, and what he was doing and trying to ease him into changing his diet and then experimenting myself um, with that and then on to Dean Ornish and, and all those. And, and there's different times, like my husband and I would like kind of go gangbusters and try it. But boy, back then it was, it was hard because it's not like you had the variety of foods and, and you know, like I'm a social person. You're, it's, that's a big, eating's a big part of it. So um, that sort of thing. But what really, really got me, uh, I think, was in 1979, and I was a new mom. Um, our, our new babe was nine months old, and I remember I was at my in-law's house, and I got a phone call. My dad had had a stroke, a massive one. Like, it sort of, I don't even, I mean, of course, at the time, they didn't even really know, like, the, the breadth of it, but it was one of those. He, he ended up surviving 16 years, but he had, he was like an avid reader, um, um, communicator, walker, everything. He, he couldn't talk anymore, but it wasn't just that he couldn't talk. He lost the ability to 
he couldn't watch TV. He couldn't listen to the radio. He loved music. He couldn't listen to music. Um, they weren't really sure he necessarily even understood what we were saying. Um, that kind of thing. And that went on for 16 years. And, um, but just from like the get go, I mean, I was like, what can I do, you know, mm -hmm. to, to not have this happen? I mean, it's, I would take like a, a massive heart attack that puts me out. I mean, most people even have heart attacks don't end up with that kind of disability. I mean, it's kind of like that and Alzheimer's to me are like the worst of the worst. So anyway, um, I think, so it wasn't really, I think I was more onto like the exercise part of it and eating healthy, but there I wasn't quite sure where I was going with that, but that's kind of what put me on the journey. Um, and it's, it's funny. I, um, was cleaning out drawers, um, oh, probably about a month ago and I happened on, it was like a four page thing that it was something I had written up called the fresh plan that I actually, I don't even know why I did this. I'd sent it to our newspaper and it's a, it's a major newspaper and they actually printed it. Um, cause I had sort of been moving in this direction. And so I pulled this out and, and it was explaining why I was doing this and, you know, the story with my dad and, um, everything kind of variations on a the theme that I was doing early on is kind of what I'm doing now. The, the diet's more extreme now. I mean, I don't think it's extreme, but, um, you know, it was just like the whole thing. It's like, you know, the exercise, um, you know, drinking water, fiber, flax. I'm like, really? <laughs> omega threes, um, you know, eating the rainbow and, um, not just exercise, you know, the strength exercise, flexibility, aerobics, all that kind of thing. So, wow. So um, you were ahead of your time already back then. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure other people were doing, you know, definitely, but, um, and, and I kind of got onto the whole, um, um, plant-based thing because you probably know this, that Ann Esselstyn works out of the same community gym that I do. And I knew her, but she'd always like kind of rush into the gym. And it's funny, my husband will say this too. It's like, I saw Ann, she was like always rushing. She was rushing in, she was rushing out. She was like, oh, hi, Brian. So, um, you know, it wasn't like she was hanging around to talk to people, but I went up to her and introduced myself and said, you know, I knew of her husband's work and I, and I wanted to know um, at the the time my youngest was he was probably 20 he was like the picky eater he was the one that you know when he was on his own in college and it's like oh who knew what he was eating I'm like do you have any suggestions of like recipes or what you could suggest for someone of that age because I knew um about Rip's work and so that from the get-go then we were we were friends so mm -hmm. um and that's kind of, and around that time, it's when I started the, the blog and um, on our NPR affiliate happened to hear an interview with Dr. Esselstyn detailing exactly the, the backstory of, of why he came up with his sort of plan. And um, yeah, and he sort of challenged me, why don't you come to the monthly class that he does at the clinic? Like no charge, just come and see what you think. So anyway, well, that's a, that's a great story, <laughs> but it sounds like at the beginning on your health journey, you were really motivated by fear. 
and particularly of of brain disease, because that's so scary, you know? So scary. Definitely. Definitely. So you've kind of touched a little bit um, on it, but describe your way of eating now and how has that evolved over the past couple of decades? Okay. So um, for, I would say, when I first started doing the whole plant-based, no oil, all that kind of thing, no nuts, um, very little soy, like just going like straight arrow. For my personality, it's funny. It's like, you know, I can stick with something, but somebody pointed this out to me and maybe you picked it up um, on a discussion at Facebook. You know, there's some people who are moderators and there's some people who are abstainers. So like they want a plan and they want to just like, that's it. And I'm not necessarily going to go hog wild, but I don't want to say that I'm going to go to someone's house and I'm going to like quiz them about what's mm-hmm. in the ingredients or, mm-hmm. you know, um, go to a wedding and not taste wedding cake or have um, birthday cake, or, you know, every so often. So um, anyway, where are we going with this? Oh, so where am I now? So um for a lot of things, like I'll, I kind of do the backstory of when someone cites something, like why they don't eat this or why they don't eat that. And, and I'm not denying that it, for some people, given their genetics, given the damage they already have to their arteries, I mean, we are all different. And um, yeah, unless you've done, you know, I mean, if you're somebody who has like the APOE 4 you may like, for sure, you're not going to want to be having much saturated fat, that kind of thing. Um, and so just sort of following back and, and I kind of, and reading widely, like all kinds of people, um, physicians and their stories. I've sort of kind of come up to settled with a very comfortable, I would say it's like 97% plant-based. Um, I do now use very, very small amounts of olive oil, like if I'm roasting vegetables, and I'm talking like, you know, for, for serving for six, it could be like um, one and a half uh, teaspoons. Um, I just like how it changes the vegetables. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what else am I? There's, I'm just a little, uh, definitely nuts is part of my gig. I'm like not afraid of nuts and avocado. I mean, it's not like I eat them, eat them all the time, but I definitely like the use of nuts in dressings and sauces. Um, and I, I understand like when it comes to oil, like the problems with processed oils and extracted oils and the chemicals. And I understand the problems with, um, knowing what kind of olive oil you are using and if it's fresh and that sort of thing. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I still, I definitely love to cook and I do, I mean, it's, you should see my lunchbox, but um, that'll take to work. But I, always bring a breakfast. I always bring lunch. We always have a meal that either my husband or I have prepared. And I like to do things, um, make big batches so we can have leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we rarely go out to eat like on a weekday, but we definitely will go. We go out 
with friends and there's plenty of places here where you can go and there's like a good plant-based restaurant. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and great options. And strangely enough, I'm like beyond blessed that my kids, my sister, my brother-in-law, my, my sister-in-law, um, many of our friends, even if they're not like doing things exactly like us, when we get together and, um, you know, we have like dinner groups and book groups, like they're, everybody understands, it's kind of like when we're figuring out what people are making, I would say 90% of it's all plant-based because they've nice. all sort of, kind of gone that way. And I know it's kind of funny, my brother-in-law sort of would um, kind of like tease me about this. And he ended up starting to adopt it. And he had like amazing health benefits to the point like where his doctors were like, I've never seen that happen. Like, you, like, I, so he's a true believer. And my sister who, she used to be, um, have a pastry baking business, which would be like the death of me. <laughs> we both, um, yeah, love sweets. But I totally try to avoid them. Um, so she recently um, decided to um, change things up too. And, um, it's made a big difference. So that's amazing. And you know, yeah, I, I teach to all my classes that it doesn't have to be all or nothing because there are some people that if they had to choose all or nothing, they're going to choose nothing and they're going to, they're not going to make any changes at all. Um, But Mm -hmm. I love hearing examples like you that you embody such a healthy lifestyle, not just in nutrition, but in exercise and all these other components of our lifestyle mm-hmm. that will help us with our longevity and our well-being now. Um, mm-hmm. Show this example that you can have a balance. You're eating 97% plant-based, but you may have a little something here or there. You're not 100% oil-free, but whenever you do, you do use some oil, you're not going to stress about it. It's going to be something like little flavoring, a little garnish in your meal. And, and I think that that's a healthy approach. You know, I've always been known as kind of like a black and white sort of person. So I'm just like right on the line, but yeah, I think we can, a, a lot of us navigate life a little bit better if we learn how to live in the gray a little bit too. And a lot of people are going to be more comfortable. My husband is definitely one that's like you. He's more comfortable being like, I don't feel like I need to be a hundred percent. I don't feel like I need to identify with that strict adherence to something. And he ends up doing much better when he's like, you know, mostly 97, 98%. And then the rest don't sweat it, you know? So that's really great. And one of my reasons, let me just interject with this one thing. I mean, I'm, I think like the evidence that Dan Buettner with the blue zones and all that, I mean, being able to hang out with friends and not only friends who eat exactly like you. I mean, it's really important. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, it's, so being a little more flexible that, you know, you'll, about what you can eat. I mean, obviously, so far things are working for me. As far as I know, I, I don't have heart disease. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and like you said before, we're all individuals. So 
there's going to be some people that are more comfortable with that approach. And I, um, I tease my friends that I think there should be a term called the social omnivore for those people that eat pretty much a hundred percent plant-based at home. But when they go out, they're flexible. They're not going to make a fuss about things. You know, they're not going (laughs) to make a big scene and I don't, but I'm, you know, I'm a bold personality type. So I'm just going to be like, can I get this and this and this and adapt this and this and this, you know, when I go to restaurants, but, but I'm also, I'm not shy, so it doesn't bother me, but I could see how there's some people that they're just more comfortable being flexible and enjoying their, whatever they want out with their friends. And I think that that's completely acceptable. And just like you said, with the studies of the blue zones, we know that we don't have to be hundred percent. Even when I talked to Michael Greger, he said, yes. really, there's no evidence to show that we have to be a hundred percent. And I want people to really take that in and be like, okay, well, what can I do to get closer to getting healthier and having more well-being without stressing out that it has to be all or nothing for the rest of my life? Cause I know most people exactly. aren't going to do that. You know, exactly. I have you, to say, uh-huh. no, go ahead. Oh, I would say, I mean, I love Dr. Greger. And um, to me, like one of the best things, I'm like, so I don't know if you saw it, but I I loved his, um, you know, that he is an advocate of smoothies, but I've always been one that, like one that was more vegetable to to just get those vegetables in and and less on the sweet. But they don't, didn't taste that good. I'll tell Mm -hmm. you, the ones I made did not taste good. And his recent, um, I'd done this before, but it was not never one that I thought, oh, I'll do this every day, like the VA kind of thing. Uh-huh. So his latest version, like it's more like a tomato based and there's jalapeno in there. I mean, like I like plotted that out on my food diary to see what was in there. I'm like, it's so amazing. So that one addition, it's every color of the rainbow. It's like enormous amounts of vitamin a vitamin c um potassium it's like oh my gosh (laughs) so i know i saw a lot of people commenting when he posted that that they really liked it so my i i'm not a fan of like tomato flavor things but my oldest son loves v8 so i'm gonna have to make him that that new smoothie i think he'll probably love it Speaking mm-hmm. of children, oh, yeah. you mentioned mm-hmm. that you have children. You have grown children yeah. now because you're yeah. a grandma. Oh, no. So, so tell, like me, tell me, how was it raising your kids and diet in the home? And then now that you have grandkids, do you have influence over what your grandkids eat? Okay, so interesting. Um, I would say like the best thing I did for my kids um, was – like extensive nursing. I'm like, I think that was like the biggest gift ever for them. And, and for me, cause it made life so easy. So they never really had infections or ear infections or any of that kind of stuff. So that was really good. And I would say until they were three, I was like, it was easy to be pretty militant about what you gave them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, back then, I mean, I didn't really have any problem with giving them milk or eggs or any of that like I wasn't just really thinking in terms of those were 
bad foods. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. In fact, um, actually, I kind of, I was concerned that for my oldest, because he, he broke, fractured his collarbone. He was like, I think under two, he was like sitting on a bench, fell, and literally fractured his collarbone. Um, and um, I was really concerned that he wasn't really getting enough calcium. And actually, now that I think of it, so this is, I'm sort of like an advocate, especially for moms, and I'm sure you have a lot to say about this, with the mom, especially if you're nursing, having adequate D and adequate calcium and, and all the, like there's so much that you have to do to make sure what you're giving your kid. Um, and who knew about vitamin D back then, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I was, I always kind of like, uh, but he's super healthy now, so I don't worry about that. But, you know, no, I don't, we, we weren't eating like the health, I mean, the healthiest of foods, I have to say, you know, I tried, but Mm, I, I went to, I mean, it was, it was funny. My oldest, my youngest was, they, they were laughing um, because now everyone pretty much eats super healthy, especially um, my oldest um, and with the grandkids. But my son was saying, yeah, like, remember we'd have pigs in a blanket and, you know, all this. <laughs> yeah, the Junk. typical kids food. And you thought you were, I mean, you were doing the best you could with what you had, right? That was just the culture. That was what we knew. I mean, that was just, yes. you know. Making chocolate chip cookies, goldfish, all that kind of thing. The coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so are your kids more of eating more of a plant-based diet now? Yes. I would not say the youngest who um, is single. He's definitely leans in that direction. And, and um, after we were all together in California for, for a week around Thanksgiving and, you know, all cooked and had like, you know, a great vegan feast. And he was like looking through Facebook and he goes, look at this mom. Like all these people are showing these pictures of their Thanksgiving with like, like there's bacon on the turkey and all this gravy and all this like meat stuff. And I'm, he's like, you know, I'm so used to eating this kind of thing for, for Thanksgiving, like the shepherd's pie and, you know, Brussels sprouts and whatever else we have parsnips um, celeriac, Talrone and celeriac soup. And, um, it's like, I, I can't go back to that. So, uh, he leans that way. He doesn't really eat meat. Um, he definitely will still eat seafood and stuff. The oldest and, and their family, my daughter-in-law, son-in-law, um, oldest son and grandkids there, I would say they're like 97% plant-based too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't, the kids aren't, into the meat at all um yeah oh that's great at veggie grill they would like though they like those like yeah the substitutes so do you feel like it was your influence that kind of motivated them to change in that direction i think so but it's been so probably 
Probably. But, you know, it's funny. I was just kind of looking at something. Um, I was trying to find uh, that original post when I um, heard Dr. Usselston's um, podcast about explaining heart disease. And I came across this little quote that I thought this was funny that um, my daughter-in-law had said, she goes, um, and it was paraphrased. She said, this is a few years back. I don't know if she'd still agree, but I think so, because they, they definitely eat plant-based. She says, when I look at the two of you and compare you to all the over 50, over 60-year-olds I know, well, that's what convinced me that there's really something to the way you're eating. You're both active, slim, plenty of energy, no health problems, and can really get down on the floor and pick up your um, gorgeous, favorite gorgeous grandson. That was before the granddaughter came along, too. But... Um, <laughs> Yes. And then she also then said, the best thing I learned from you is that it's really possible to cook with that oil. So. Nice. Um, well, yeah. that's, that's but, just beautiful. It's just beautiful to see that and to see the legacy that you've also influenced with your children and your grandkids. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Bodes well for their future. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about yeah. exercise. You post a lot about okay. exercise and how important it is, not just for all of us, but definitely the older generation, our grandparents and our senior citizens. Can you tell me about what your exercise regimen is like now and how it has evolved over time? Okay. So I would say I started exercising probably when we were, um, I know when it was. <laughs> we were um, we had lived in West Virginia. My husband was in the National Health Service Corps. Moved back to Cleveland, and um, my first job was working for this as a paralegal, doing for a really big law firm, and it it totally stressed me out. I'm like, it was, mm. and I was um, developed had this little twitch in my eye, and I'm like, what the heck? And I went to the doctor, what is that? And he goes, I think it's stress. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to start running. I'm, running is not my thing, but I started running. And, and from then on, so that was probably mm, at a bit, about age 25. And, and, and I haven't stopped since, even, you know, with the kids. I remember, like, putting um, my oldest when he was still in one of those real those uh, cars the teeny little lift up car seats like I mean he was an infant I would stick him in the middle of the track the gym and like you know run the track but but that's nothing that I'm not crazy about that so I'm definitely my my favorites are and I try to go as much as I can um every day if possible Um, I love spinning um I love um like a power sculpt class, which is like a group class with weights that are like graduated. Um, definitely like the high intensity of boot camp style. Um, love from my house because we live in a in a really sort of out in the country area. I love walking, so I'll, or we have tons of great parks hiking, um, even by myself. And um, recently, when I was closed out of a spin class, ended up doing like a dance class. It reminded me of the old-fashioned um, Jackie Sorensen aerobic dancing, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it was a blast. Well, actually, my favorite, but they don't do it anymore, is like step aerobics because you constantly have to follow a routine. So you're, it's like a brain thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you can engage your brain. And I'm all about doing group fitness. To me, it's just 
so much more fun <laughs> than doing it by myself. Like I'll just keep going. If someone says, okay, like do like 10 more reps. Like mm-hmm. if I was at home, I'm like, no, I'm not going to. So. Oh, I'm the same way. I, I do body pump now and I started oh. getting back into it because I used to kind of hate strength training. Like I knew I had to do it and I've had personal trainers before, but it, it hurts, you know, but with yeah. when I'm with a group, I'm kind of a show off too, I guess. I, I'm motivated by the group. So whenever I'm with people, I know people are watching me. I can't like wimp out and take weight off. You know, I'm like, I just got to get through this set. I can do it. You know, I don't want to be embarrassed. Um, It sounds like you do all kinds of stuff. Talk to me about the importance of strength training for the older people like you and um, why our grandparents and um, the older generation shouldn't fear it, but should start embracing it for their longevity and for their brain health. Okay. So there are so many benefits to adding that. And the beauty of it is it's all graduated. So you start wherever you can. I mean, if you can just use two pound weights or three pound weights, and then you, you just build up, but you, you know, clearly you need somebody who's kind of watching to make sure you've got the right form. And um, the, the particular class, my favorite one, the woman who's in charge of all the fitness programs at our gym is actually, she was a professor in physical education at a university before she started doing this. And two of my friends who are, one's a physical therapy assistant and one's a physical therapist, they'll go to that class because they, it's, it, she's careful and the form's good and, and, and it's safe. But it's you have to do you have to do an all body like all muscle kind of workout for your, to strengthen your bones i mean there's mm-hmm. no ifs ands or buts about it like mm-hmm. you don't want to end up with osteoporosis you know plus the balance part of it i mean that's mm-hmm. a big part you don't want to fall so like working on the balance and that is incorporated in all those classes and the research on the brain benefits the um what is her name is it Susan Liu, they're in Seattle. They've done a bunch of studies on older people doing weights and the the cognitive benefits. And I was just, I don't know if you've listened to this, but it sort of blew me away. Um, I'm, I'm really, have you, have you um, read the Alzheimer's book by Dr. Dean and um, Asia Sherzai. Yes, I have it. I started it. I haven't finished it yet. Okay. So if you, <laughs> if you don't have time, I can't, it came out Sunday. Rich Roll interviewed them. So it's like a two-hour interview. And I, I just finished it today. It's fabulous. But I love this one thing that he said, um, that the bigger your leg muscles, like the stronger your leg muscles, the, the greater the, um, effect, the cognitive benefit or like, and, and there's, there's so many, there's like a Pittsburgh study, like people walk the most, their, <coughs> hippocampus, their hippocampus was larger. Um, and to me, I mean, if you can't afford um, a personal strainer, um, group fitness is the way to go. Yeah. And just like you said before, start wherever you're at. You don't have to be at this like bodybuilder level. You just have to add more weight than you're already doing. So even starting with body weight exercises for some people could be a great place to start, but know that yes, it seems hard at first, but it gets easier. And then 
your mindset starts to change in that like, oh, it's no longer drudgery. Then it becomes exciting and a challenge. How can you build up? How can you improve? Because that's going to help you um, for the long run. <clears throat> and it's one of the few exercises you totally see, you know, like, you know, you're like, oh, oh my biceps. Oh, look, there's definition, you know, and um, yeah, it's, it's. And for sure, I think it also helps people that are concerned about sagging skin. You know, yeah. because weight lifting and getting those muscles strong actually helps decrease that and sometimes prevent it for some people, especially if they're losing weight to get that weight training in and get those muscles mm -hmm. strong. So great. And I will definitely listen to that interview. I saw it and a lot of people were posting about how great it was. And I'm glad you said that about the leg muscles because my leg muscles are huge. So it must mean Ooh. my brain is really big. Oh, <laughs> well, I think your brain is really big. And I have oh, to say, like... You, you knew that we went, um, did that hike, the Anna Kaskocha mm -hmm. hike. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. um, it was, it was sort of like, wow, that's like the benefit. I felt like that was like the, the equivalent of maybe doing like a cardiac stress test. It's like, oh, you know, to be mm -hmm. able to do that. <laughs> and I think it's all cause the muscles and, you know, having, you know, strong quads and, and all that sort of thing. So. Absolutely. So you were able to take this lifestyle habit and bring more joy into your life because you can participate in things you really want to do, things out in real life. Right. Like, you know, the gym is fun, of course, for people like us. We like the gym. But right. what's even more fun is going out into nature and hiking and exploring Absolutely. and playing with your grandkids. So even though at the beginning for some people it seems tough, just think about the payoff in the long run. And that brings me to the question I ask yeah. all my guests. Okay. What personal habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it? And how do you maintain it? Okay. Well, I think there's kind of a bunch. Can I give you more than one? Sure. <laughs> so you're, this, one, this one you will be surprised about. Um, flossing my teeth. <laughs> my husband's a retired dentist. So he started, and we got married very young. So he was still in dental school. So that's when I started. So I started at age 20, flossing my teeth. And I cannot go a day without doing it. I mean, it's like, and there's so much research out there of the benefits of doing it. Not only keeping your teeth healthy, but like the effect it has on introducing bacteria into your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's like number one. Number two, which cracks me up. I mean, it, I probably didn't start doing this till like my fifties, making my bed every day. It's nice. Like, <laughs> it's like the goofiest thing but like once you start it's um I can't even like go into the bathroom till I made that bed and and my husband's on to it now too so if if I'm still in bed well if he wait how <laughs> the deal is whoever gets up first makes the coffee whoever is out of bed last makes the bed mm -hmm. if you saw how he made the bed it, i i keep saying to him i'm gonna take a picture because the way you make the bed is ridiculous i mean it's like the <laughs> but it's made so it's made yeah <laughs> it, it makes a difference and making 
my always, always taking my own breakfast and lunch to work. Like I, it's never a thought and it takes a lot of time to put it together. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm proud of that. And, um, proud that I cook <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and then your pictures on Facebook just are so mouthwatering. So I wish I lived closer. I could come over oh, and visit you and, and eat some of your food. So I want to ask about your first habit. Has it paid off? Is your dentist very proud of you? Oh, so this is so funny. Um, totally paid off. Like years and years ago, um, you know how they do that? Like they'll check like your gums with mm-hmm. the measuring thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember gosh, it's probably even going back 20 years. And my husband would say like, mm, I don't know. I think you're going to have surgery there. You know, I think you're going to have, or you're good. I actually did have like in a little area, which supposedly they said that was more like, it's just an anatomical thing. But every single time I go, the hygienist is like, your gums are it's like such a pleasure. There's nothing I can tell you. And, and my little dirty secret is, you know, a lot of people will like brush three times a day. I do it just once. So I owe it all to the flossing. I really wow. do. So. Wow. That's <laughs> great. I love it. And this is so funny. So she, her um, sister-in-law is also a food for life person. Instructor. Mm-hmm. Yes. And t- instructor and she's like strict vegan the hygienist is not but she'll say she's like she says you know i really noticed the difference i i can tell the difference in the gums of people who are not eating sugar and who are eating Mm -hmm. vegan so Mm -hmm. i feel like there has to be especially because right now 94 percent of the calories that americans consume are either processed foods or animal foods 94%. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about your second habit, the making the bed. I don't know if you know, that's actually evidence-based. Did you know that there was like a study out there about how if you make your bed in the morning, it increases your self-efficacy for the rest of the day? I did not. Get out. (laughs) Yeah. So you you didn't even know you were following like an evidence-based habit. You're like evidence-based all over the place. So. <laughs> that is so interesting. Yeah. Because it does kind of ripple out. Like mm-hmm. with other things, sort of, I don't think of myself as an OCD person at all, but that's sort of like, oh, I don't want to leave the house in the morning with dishes in the sink or, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a, it's almost like a self-esteem motivation booster. If you can yeah. do something at the beginning of the day that makes you feel good about yourself, it helps push that, especially willpower. It kind of boosts up your willpower for the rest of the day so you don't run out as fast. So that's great. Yeah. Well, um, one of the final questions I wanted to ask sure. you is what motivates you to create and share with us such wonderful content? I know you talked about what motivated you to start on your path, but mm-hmm. I know that it takes time for you to post you know, these long posts and give us all of these references. I mean, it's just amazing and I love it. But every time I'm just like, gosh, you spend so much time. So what motivates you to keep doing that for, for your followers? In, well, okay. Um, there's, I guess I'd say it's my passion. It's like if I find something that really resonates, that 
I think is important. I don't want to keep it to myself. Mm -hmm. I want to share it. So, um, yeah, and it's, it can be frustrating because I don't have the time to do it. And I also have to stop myself from doing that <laughs> very much, you know, because um, it could consume so much time because I really think it's important to, like, turn off the um, internet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, I guess everybody sort of has their thing. And, and I get lots of good feedback from people. So that also, I mean... If nobody was listening. Yeah, it'd be uh, different, right? Be like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, but it's fun. And, and there's really nice, smart, interesting people who follow my page. So I learned so much from them too. So it's, it's fun to have the dialogue. Well, thank you again for taking the time to do that. And thank you so much for being on my podcast today. I wanted to close out with, if you wanted to reiterate where people can connect with you, please. Uh, probably the best way is my Facebook page. Um, you, um, yeah. And if I really, <laughs> this is out of laziness. I need to change it to make it easier. But if you just go on, on Google on the internet, um, healthy librarian or your Facebook, you'll find it. It's really yes. easy. And the connection to it is also on my um, website, which I mean, blog, which I do maintain, even though I haven't posted on there for a few years, the, the link's still there. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of blog posts on there. I haven't even begun to explore um, that much on there, but there's a lot on there. there and just for lot. those listening, I will put a link to the Facebook page, but if you wanted to look it up right now, it is happy, healthy, long life dash the healthy librarian. And you should be able to find her on there. Yeah, so Debbie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh. You. Thank you for asking me. It was such a surprise and oh. uh, it's such a pleasure to finally meet you. Yeah. Oh, me too. This is such a treat. I am such a fan and I feel very grateful that I got oh, to speak with you yeah. today. Yes. Well, it's, it's, I feel bad that we can't just talk because, you know, like off the podcast because I have a million questions for you. But, oh, well, uh, you can ask me anytime. Don't hesitate. <laughs> okay okay well, well thank you so much and i hope that you have a plantastic day okay well <laughs> thank you i hope that you enjoyed today's episode thank you so much for tuning in and i look forward to having you back again next week a very special thank you to the band rocket surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song to find out more about the rocket surgeons please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocketsurgeonsmusic. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash veggiefitkids or you can email me at veggiedoctor, V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at veggiefitkids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli.
Broccoli. 